0: Episode 807. As the rookies are integrated into the Green Bay Packers off-season program, we focus on one player in particular today, linebacker Cody Hyman, and hear from the man that profiled him. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Go. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu and today we're talking about the Green Bay Packers rookie class, and in particular, one Packers rookie linebacker, Cody Hyman. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, Okay. We're joined by Kevin Haskin of the Topeka Capital Journal. Mr. Haskin, how are you this morning?
1: Doing well, Brian, and you?
0: Very good. We're glad you could join us on the show. Mr. Haskin profiled Packers rookie linebacker Cody Hyman coming out of college and now is going to help us learn a little bit more about one of the newest members of the Green Bay Packers who has a pretty good backstory. So, uh kevin could you start by giving us some background on cody hyman and his high school football experience which i understand was quite atypical
1: it sure was i mean especially for a guy who's you know bidding to become an nfl player he played eight-man football which is quite popular in kansas we have a lot of small schools with uh enrollments below 100 in the entire school and that's those are usually the schools that play eight-man football we actually have two divisions for eight-man in Kansas so two state championships are on the line every every year Cody and his team in Baileyville Kansas which is really close to the Nebraska border it's north of Topeka and just south of the Nebraska border Uh, they won two state championships he was a freshman and a junior and then after he left they won two more and then the school closed Uh, just couldn't keep up its enrollment and uh blended in consolidated with a with a bigger school in its county. Um but but quite an athletic heritage at Baileyville B and B High School, uh you know, they actually had an Olympic high jumper from there too, Ed had Brocksterman who uh competed for Kansas State University and then went on to the Olympics. So uh it, quite an athletic heritage for this school that's now closed.
0: <laughs> very interesting eight man football is actually growing more and more in the state of wisconsin so people around here are, i think are beginning to learn about it but to your knowledge kevin how rare is it for someone to play eight man football advance as far as the
1: nfl uh very rare i think maybe the the, the name that pops out is Rashan salam he played that before starring in Colorado as a Heisman Trophy winner and, and then moved into the NFL. We had a guy uh, from Kansas by the name of Nolan Cromwell who played at the University of Kansas and, and of course, played for the Rams for a number of years. He was an all-pro safety with the Rams. He played quarterback for Kansas back in the wishbone days. Um, but he didn't – a lot of people get him confused. A lot of people think he played eight-man because he's from a small town in Kansas but he actually did play 11 man football in high school. So uh, you just don't run into many of these these circumstances now it's interesting I mean when these if these guys wash up trying for the NFL they might go on into arena ball and play and that way but <laughs> growing up in high school uh, you know you don't see you don't see too many and the recruiting opportunities just aren't there for for these kids, either, and it was for for Cody, but uh, largely because he was, you know, just a an incredibly good athlete, and uh, even to recruit him, at Division II school I had to had to kind of look at his different measurables, so to speak, as a as a high school athlete, and, and see that he was a good multi-sport performer, and uh, then really kind of even take a chance on him at that.
0: That's, that's interesting that you brought up the name Nolan Cromwell because that's a name our audience should recognize. He was actually the Packers special teams coach when they won the Super mm-hmm. Bowl back in 1996. So <laughs> I think our audience is familiar with him. Uh, but but sure. getting back to Cody Hyman here and speaking of his high school days, how does his background in track and field speak to his athleticism? Because there's a little
1: story here, too. Yeah, sure. I mean he won the state high jump in class one A, the smallest class in Kansas, uh as a senior, jump six eight, and obviously some some good coaching up there when we're talking about a, a guy before him who went through the same high school that wound up getting into the Olympics, uh, like I mentioned. But uh you know, Cody Cody has a, a pretty good vertical jump, although that's not necessarily always uh something that you see in high jumpers. It's it's a lot more Technique and, and fundamentals, but he does he does possess that. But actually, his best sport growing up was baseball, and he was a heck of a catcher with a great arm. And uh, it looked like he might be headed down that path. But after the kind of success he had in in football as a freshman and winning a state championship, he, he sort of it kind of turned his attention to to football as being a being a college choice, and perhaps even making a little money at it.
0: He certainly sounds like a great athlete, and uh, as we now get to Hyman's college experience, what does it say about him that he was needed to play running back his freshman year at Washburn, as I learned from reading your articles and several others on Hyman?
1: Yeah, you know, and and that's it was one of those situations where you know Washburn was was obviously decimated a little bit by by injuries, but they had this kid, I think, at that point, that they weren't quite sure what they wanted to do with him and, and uh, wound up leading the team in, in rushing that year, just a little over 400 yards because he used a lot of different different guys. And like I said, they they had some injuries going on too. Um, and then the Washburn coach, Craig Schurig, felt kind of bad. He didn't use Hyman as a running back again. He said at times they, they had packages that kind of were hoping to to put in for him but I think all the work that he did on the defensive side of the ball after they moved him back to, to linebacker and this is a kid who grew to and he just lived in the weight room just super super tough super instinctive as a defender and somebody Washburn felt they needed to put on that side of the ball but as you move forward now and in camp with the Packers you know he could be looked at as a, as a fullback I, I don't know what their intentions are but you know Craig Schurig, the Washburn coach, he was he was telling me about another player uh, who's been in the NFL now for six seasons. He was a starting linebacker for the 49ers. Michael Wilhoyt. He's now signed with Seattle. Um, and when the 49ers first had Wilhoyd in camp, they tried him some as a as a running back, and you know just just to kind of in a fullback, just to kind of see okay where would this kid fit. Obviously these kind of guys have to perform on special teams and you know if Cody's to make the Packers roster he'll have to do that but Greg uh, Schurig was he really really uh bragged a lot about about Cody's receiving skills and how uh, out of the backfield he, he was, he's a really good pass catcher and good hands good instincts too so you know you might might see a little bit out of that uh, from him. Uh, I don't know. His camp unfolds. <laughs> we'll keep tabs on that.
0: It would be interesting to see if the Packers experiment with that at all. Um, <laughs> but if we get to him as a linebacker now, how much does his level of experience playing Division two football hurt him? Obviously, he's, he didn't play at the mm-hmm. Division one level.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he admits that, that that's not an ideal situation for him now. You know, the MIAA, the, the conference he plays in, is arguably the best Division II football league in the country, largely because Northwest Missouri is part of it. and Northwest has been a Division II power for a long time, but other, other programs in the conference are quite good, too. Pittsburgh State's won uh, multiple Division II titles, and, uh, you know, Washburn's actually competed quite favorably and Washburn has other guys has sent other guys into the NFL I mentioned Michael Will Hoyt, Kerry Williams a, a cornerback who bounced around with a lot of different teams is another recent uh, example of a Washburn kid who's who made it in the NFL in fact one year I think Will Hoyt and, and Williams opposed each other in the Super Bowl when the Niners did they play the Ravens I can't remember who it was that Williams was playing for but it was kind of a kind of a funny deal when the one division two school had two players in the super bowl um but yeah to get to your point it, it is it is a drawback for him he hasn't seen that upper level competition that you're gonna that you're gonna fa- face in a power five school but then again it's also motivation for cody you know to work as work as hard as he can and and uh you know he was working out in Chicago before. Uh, you know, before doing his his pro day, and has been in a couple of different, uh, you know, different workout facilities and centers, both in Chicago and Kansas City. You know, getting ready for this opportunity.
0: Uh, all right. So, in, in speaking to Hyman's former coaches, uh, what what did you learn about him? Because you've alluded to you you've spoke to his college coach, but you've gone even further back and spoke to his high school coaches as well.
1: Yeah, he even talked to. The guy who's at the at the middle school uh, <laughs> up at the up at that high school who, who coached him in uh, in baseball and uh, you know what they say about him is is kind of the same sort of a quiet, hard working type who uh, you know just you know will spend spend as much time as as possible in the weight room or doing whatever he can to. You know, improve himself, improve his stock, and, and you know, help his help his team win. I mean, this is a this is a guy who made you know that's quite an adjustment just coming from eight man to eleven man uh, in college from high school. His first eleven man football game was in a Kansas Shrine Bowl, an all star game that's that's played in the summertime, and uh, you know, there's there's a heck of an adjustment there, and he he made it just you know just from that. Kind of uh, hard hard working, hard charging uh personality, not to be denied. I mean, can that get him into the NFL? There's there's a lot of guys who who probably are the same way, but uh you know, I, I'm sure Cody's gonna give it his best shot. <laughs>
0: that that is remarkable how much of a transition that must be learning to play that type of football for the first time in an all star game type of environment. Uh, but finally here, yeah. Kevin, before we let you go from, from talking to Hyman himself personally, what, what impression do you get from him uh, about his chances of making it in the NFL?
1: Well, he's not, you know, he's put, not putting any limitations on it on himself. And, and I don't think he's, he's overly intimidated by the task. He liked, he liked the situation with the Packers. He kind of, he kind of got the impression that, you know, that was his, his best opportunity, his best chance. You know, the Packers have a pretty good small town Kansas high school guy playing wide receiver for him <laughs> by the name of Jordy Nelson. So, uh, I don't know that that influenced Cody at all. Cody had never, I asked him if he met Jordy and he said he never had, but, uh, you know, I think he really liked, liked the situation that, you know, the Packers told him that was in front of him. And, uh, and the opportunity he was going to have to, to possibly make the roster, so so we'll see. But you know, you, you go back to those eight man days. That's an 80 yard field too. I mean, it's it's a whole different different kind of game. And, and like he said it, in a story I did, if if a guy slips by you, he's gone. I mean, there's, it's a high scoring brand of brand of football. So you know, as a tackler, I mean, he kind of he kind of learned at that level that you know a lot of times he better you better wrap up and and make the stick or else uh, it's going to be points for the other team.
0: That's interesting. Uh, I think he steps into a good situation as the Packers didn't draft any true linebackers in this year's NFL draft. So he steps into a good situation and hopefully he'll meet Jordy Nelson now. So uh, Mr. Askin, (laughs) thank you so much for joining us. It was a illuminating interview. Glad you could share a little insight with our audience and uh, keep up the good work at the Topeka Capital Journal.
1: Okay, Brian, a lot of
0: fun. Say hey to Geordie. (laughs) This sounds good. Take care. (laughs) Kevin Askin of the Topeka Capital Journal joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? There we go had a little pause there i couldn't find the audio um all right so predictably mother's day weekend was relatively quiet on the packers front not a lot of breaking news no roster moves or anything like that but there was one interesting thing of note that came to light over the weekend We learn that new Green Bay Packers safety Josh Jones, one of the team's second-round draft picks, has changed agents, and it's a name you'll recognize. Josh Jones is now represented by Drew Rosenhaus, according to lawyer Darren Heitner of SportsAgentBlog.com and Forbes, who shared this information on Twitter, Yes, this is the same Drew Rosenhaus that many recognize as the Jerry Maguire of the NFL. Although I will admit that Rosenhaus isn't nearly as much in your face as he was a decade or so ago. Uh, The question is, though, why did Josh Jones change his agent after the NFL draft? He was previously represented by a firm called First Round Management. And it's certainly not unheard of for an athlete to change agents, but the timing of this one is curious. Jones, after all, became more of a household name after the NFL draft than before it. Unless you were a hardcore NC State Wolfpack fan, you probably didn't even know who Jones was prior to the NFL Combine. He was never even an all-conference selection, although though that's probably more of a, more of an indictment of the media uh, that vote for that kind of thing because he certainly had a worthy 2016 season looking back on it. I'm sure NFL scouts knew who Jones was, but many casual fans perhaps did not. A- and regardless, Jones gained more and more attention after the NFL Combine when he tested incredibly well and realistically became a second round draft choice. In fact, a discussion was sparked on Darren Heitner's Twitter timeline after he reported on the news that Josh Jones, um, that it was a shame that the agency that represented Jones prior might not be compensated for the money they invested into Jones prior to the NFL draft. Although admittedly, this is just speculation. We don't know what Jones' prior agency invested into him, but I do know it's it's common practice for agents to pay money up front for their clients to train for the NFL Combine in their pro days with professional trainers to help them with their forty-yard dash, their bench press, football drills, etc., etc. So they, you know, they pay professional trainers before. You know, the NFL combine even takes place before the NFL draft takes place, before these guys even sign a contract and make their millions, agent agents front that money because the athletes don't have it yet. So well anyway, while well, while we may not know exactly what prompted the change in representation, it's certainly natural Of anyone to ask why you know why did this happen and and minus any published information or commentary by any of the parties involved we're left to speculation Um, you might even be wondering is this going to make it difficult for the Packers to deal with Drew Rosenhaus who has a reputation about him Uh, Jones after all is one of the four Packers draft choices that remain unsigned but in honesty I I still really wouldn't worry about it if I were you and you were thinking about that even after the agent change. Drew Rosenhaus represented former Packers cornerback Sam Shields. And even when he signed a fairly sizable contract, I never heard of any grumblings about the team dealing with Rosenhaus. And as we've talked about on this show before, NFL rookie contracts are basically predetermined as far as length and compensation There's only a little wiggle room with guarantees and offset language and stuff like that. And while it might take Jones longer to get his contract done than anyone else in the Packers rookie class, simply because he recently changed agents, I imagine it'll be a relatively painless process, but it is worth monitoring considering this happened. What might be more interesting is how Jones fits into the the team's plans on defense, Uh, I, I know a lot of people out there have compared Josh Jones as taking over a Micah Hyde type of role, and I get it that they both play in the secondary, and they're both versatile players, but I honestly see a bigger comparison to Morgan Burnett than I do Micah Hyde. And maybe that's splitting hairs here. I mean, we're both talking about guys who play in the secondary, both play a safety slash, you know, versatile positions. And I mean, versatile is the key word here when it comes to a guy like Josh Jones um, and where he fits into the Packers plans. Um, I think he's going to tend to be, like I said, more of that Morgan Burnett type of player and in the box type of safety or maybe that's where he fits best at least and we saw it with Morgan Burnett this past season who at times fit into a linebacker role in passing downs when the Packers you know faced opponents that were facing you know third and 10 or whatever uh and it was only in those situations that Morgan Burnett would play linebacker when it was your standard running downs first and 10s it it was your traditional linebackers out on the field like like Jake Ryan and, and like uh you know Blake Martinez and Joe Thomas, uh even though Thomas is known as more of a pass coverage linebacker than anything else. But I think Josh Jones will be that same type of guy who mostly, most of the time, standard downs will play safety and then passing downs as, you know, the game changes in the NFL and they're getting more receivers out on the field. Uh, you know, the linebackers, they're looking to counter with that need to be more athletic. And, and obviously that's what Jones is, as we saw from this testing at the NFL combine, one of the best testers there was at the safety position. And, and I think it's, you know, what he did at the combine was, was really remarkable considering his height and his weight, 220 pounds to be able to carry that kind of weight and still move as fast as he did. Uh, it it really is makes you salivate as a, as a a football fan thinking about what he may be able to do on a football field, um, in, in, in a good pro system, uh, as opposed to, uh, a mediocre NC state team, uh, where he played in college. So, uh, not to say that they didn't do okay there at NC State, but they're obviously, that was not a team that competed for conference titles and national championships. Um, and, and so get him into a system with pro coaches. Uh, it, it really will be fun to watch. I, the more I learn about Josh Jones, the more I think about him, the more I read about him, uh, interviews with him, the more you know intrigued I am to see him and see him in a Packers uniform and see how he pans out. And, you know, with this news here that he changed agents only kind of, you know, makes you wonder a little bit more about him. And, and while we may not know what prompted the change um, we are, we, we do sit here and, and wonder about him. And that's what we're doing here on, on a Monday morning on this podcast. But that about brings to the end of the, the breaking news that I've learned about the green Bay Packers, uh, not a whole lot more that broke over the weekend or since our last episode. And with that, we'll move on to the next segment.
1: The day ahead.
0: As for what's on the horizon for the Green Bay Packers, as head coach Mike McCarthy explained in a press conference, the team's rookie class will be integrated into the Packers offseason program starting this week. Following the team's rookie minicamp, which was last weekend, uh, or two weekends ago now, technically. The the first-year players were allowed a week off to get their affairs in order and move to Green Bay, but now, starting this week, they're being integrated into Phase 2 of the team's off-season program, which are the Individual Position Workouts, or IPWs for short, So they'll get extensive work with their position coach for, for Josh Jones. He'll probably be working a lot with, maybe he's not the best example because maybe he'll be working with multiple coaches with a safety coach like Darren Perry and an inside linebackers coach like Scott McCurley. Um, But for a guy like Cody Hyman, who we talked about earlier, maybe he'll be working a lot with Scott McCurley and Winston Moss and the rest of the team's linebackers. So individual position workouts this week. That's what phase two is all about. They don't get quite into the team stuff yet. The 11 on 11, they focus on the, the, the position specific drills, you know, what can they do, you know, during this time period to get better at, at the position they play specifically and and kind of isolate that. And, you know, try to work on the, you know, technique and things like that of playing their position as opposed to, you know, getting out there in a team environment and and all the moving pieces uh, and cogs in in the mechanism that is 11-on-11 football. That is saved for week three, and that's what's next. So basically the rookies get one week of a crash course here, and then are thrown into the fire next week because that's phase three. Next week, phase three is OTAs, organized team activities. Those are full-on practices, 11-on-11. 11 11. I shouldn't say full-on because they don't wear pads during the off season, But it is 11-on-11. 11 11. So they're out there, you know, out there running drills, running, running plays, things like that. Getting all the moving pieces going together. Uh, but as for this week it's 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 integration it's getting these guys comfortable getting them working with their position coaches working with the guys who play the same position as them and and kind of that's what they're doing this week so that's that's what's on the day ahead here and uh, the rest of the week for the Green Bay Packers so Uh, We'll uh, get back to learning more about this Packers rookie class with the next episode of Railbird Central as that kind of wraps up today. Like I alluded to earlier or once before, uh, our guest on Wednesday will be Brett McCormick of the South South Carolina uh, newspaper uh, who profiled new Packers rookie receiver Monte Crockett and we'll learn more about him like we learned about Cody Hyman today. There's an interesting interesting story there to be told um, that I think our listeners will be interested in finding out. So we'll learn more about them uh, appropriate list, appropriately this week as the rookies are integrated into the offseason program. And we'll talk more about it on Wednesday. But that does it for today's show. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. Thank you to Kevin Haskin of the Topeka Capital Journal for being our guest on the show. We'll be back in just two days. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time, typically. Um, we're, I'm still kind of feeling things out into term into how I am in the long term going to deal with uh the, the changing potentially changing the time of this show slightly. Um, I'll let you know when I decide. So anyway, I got some stuff to deal with at work uh, to figure that all out, but we'll see you folks. Have a good Monday. We'll be back on Wednesday on behalf of everybody at cheesehead TV. I'm Brian Carrivo. I leave you today with a song called Texas town by honky tonk Ho- honky tonk home slice on Sci fidelity records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go.